Coming at you live from the KTSW studios in San Marcos, Texas, this is Bobcat Radio. Bobcat and Rattler fans, and welcome to this rainy Friday edition of Bobcat Radio. Join alongside my producer, Kobe Jackson, and my co-hosts, Orlando Smart, Thomas Terry, and Joey Gonzalez. We got an action-packed show for y'all today, so uh, before we get into it, let's get a word from our sponsor. Twin Peaks Restaurant and Sports Bar is a sponsor of this this broadcast of Bobcat Radio. Located on the northbound frontage road of I-35 at Guadalupe Street in San Marcos, Twin Peaks has bites, wings, burgers, sandwiches, and more. Info and menu at TwinPeaksRestaurant.com. Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. All right. Thank you, Orlando. So, to start off this episode, we're going to be joined for the first time in in a while, really, of um, the assist leader, all-time assist leader in women's Sunbelt Conference play, and one of the greatest guards in Texas State history, Miss Kennedy Taylor. You're too kind. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for being here. Welcome in. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty well. I'm actually uh, just now leaving the gym. I had a little workout this morning, so, you know, just trying to get it in. All right. All right. Good to hear. Well, we just got a couple questions for you if uh, if you're ready. Um, yeah. For I'll me, for so... It. So I'd like to start off just by saying, you know, uh, first off, you had a tremendous run this last season, which at times it seemed like an absolute grind. Uh, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts as this last season as a whole? Yeah, I think you said it best. It, it was definitely an absolute grind. We kind of knew, you know, we didn't get where we wanted to get last uh, last season. And, you know, as four COVID seniors decided to come back, you know, and to play for another championship, you know, with our coaches. And I think, um, you know, we really worked very hard this season, worked very diligently. It wasn't it wasn't easy at times, but, you know, we persevered through the season and, you know, came out with some success. Right, right. All right, Kennedy. So my next question is, so this is your senior year and you'll be you'll be moving on next season. So I, I would just want to ask uh, if you could go back and talk to yourself as a freshman or as an incoming player here at Texas State, what what advice would you give yourself? And, you know, it's funny. I actually, for our senior day or senior night, we all did letters to our younger selves. So, you know, I would just tell myself, just stay the course. Um, It won't be like you expect, but, you know, you'll work hard. You'll stay diligent. You'll stay in the gym, you know, make great relationships, you know, throughout Texas State. And and then you'll, you'll you'll do wonderful. Nice, nice. Kennedy, as a fellow Dallas native here, um, you know. I know that's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Best city, DTX stand up. You know, what What was it like for you, your senior year in high school, coming out to play D1 basketball? I know that's a dream that a lot of kids, you know, they dream of. And for you to actually have accomplished that and succeeded so well, you know, what was that like for you coming out of high school? I know that was some years ago, but. You know, I'm very biased, but 
I think that the best hoopers definitely come out of Dallas. So I think that my upbringing just kind of prepared me for all of these moments. Um, I always dreamed of playing D1 basketball. So I think that, you know, my background and my um, upbringing definitely helped me get to the stage where I am now. Yeah, Kennedy, and uh, I just wanted to, you know, first of all, a big congratulations to you, your Bobcat team this past season. Y'all had an amazing year, but I want to kind of ask, is there any, do you think there's probably any more basketball possibly in your future? Like, do you do you want to continue playing or did you want to kind of settle down a little bit? Um, that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out now. I mean, there are definitely opportunities out there. And, and as of now, I'm just kind of trying to get my body back right. You know, it was a long, hard season, so... I'll get my buddy back right, stay in the gym. You know, I'll stay in the gym regardless. So I think there are opportunities out there. Just kind of figuring out, you know, what I want to do next. I'm I'm still finishing my master's. So I, I should be done this summer. So I think I'm just going to kind of take it one day at a time and just see what I'm going to do next. Yeah, that is amazing. And just looking at the entire list of accomplishments you have here, you know, being on the dean's list in 2020 and all of that, I don't know if you've heard or not, but I'm the one that actually coined the nickname for you, the Point Goddess. So, how do you how do you feel about that one there? I really love that nickname. I really do, and I think that a lot of people are trying to take credit for your nickname. So, I think you need to let them know what's what's up for real. Most definitely. <laughs> uh, one more for me, Kennedy. Uh, what can you say about your time here at Texas State in terms of your experiences that you had, uh, not only on the court but off the court as well? Yes, I was just telling someone the other day, I really, really love being a Bobcat. Everyone here and all the experiences here have definitely shaped me into the woman that I have become. You know, basketball is great, but also, you know, all of the relationships I've built really have been monumental to my growth. And then kind of continuing with off the court, because Kobe kind of touched on on the court for you, what's the what would be at the next level for you? But in terms of off the court, what are your, what are some of your plans now that you'll be leaving Texas State? See, you, you jump in the gun. You are jumping the gun. I'm, I'm really just trying to enjoy my last few months here at Texas State. I'm not really sure exactly what's next. Like I said, I'm just trying to, you know, finish this degree and, and you know, stay in shape. And then we'll just kind of figure it out from there. No, that definitely makes sense. Now, who is a player that you most look up to or model your game after? Um, I've always loved Chris Paul. I mean, you, you probably could tell. Um, growing up, I watched his game a lot. The point guy, Chris Paul. Oh, my goodness. And still goodness. to this day, you know, I love the way that he, he leads his team and he just really puts on the point guard role. So, definitely, definitely Chris Paul. Hey, and he's a smaller guard, too, so how could you not love him? Oh, yeah, most definitely. And then talking about being a smaller guard and all of that, too, what is it more so as a point guard? This is kind of on the court. What is it that you look for, I guess, game planning when you're going out onto the team, being that point guard, that floor general? What is your, I guess, your responsibility leading your team out there? What's going on in your yeah, head? Yeah, I mean, for so long, I've, I've been little, so I don't really kind of – I really don't look at it like that anymore, but – Things I go out there and look for is just, you know, how can I put my team in the best position to win? Um, I really study my teammates' strengths and weaknesses and not even really weaknesses, just more of their strengths and, you know, how they can excel the best. Um, me and my coach have a great relationship, so, you know, we we talk a lot and I kind of pick her brain and she picks mine. Um, so, yeah, definitely going out there every night just trying to figure out the best way to put us in a position to win. And then I'm glad you mentioned your coach right there. So what's the kind of what's 
How big has she been in, uh, how big of a role has she played in your success here at Texas State? Yes. Uh, well, all of them, really, all of the coaches that I've had, you know, throughout this journey have definitely played a big impact on, you know, who I am today. But definitely Coach Z, you know, we've been rocking for five years. You know, the player and the player, the point guard and the head coach always have to have a great relationship. And I think Coach Z has been a great, great leader in my life. Um, she definitely cares about not just me, but all of her players is more than just, you know, a basketball player. She always checks in to make sure that I'm good, my family's good, school is good. So I'm just really thankful for, you know, all the things that she has done for me, you know, throughout my career. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, your coach as well, but I kind of like also talking about your players as well, your teammates. Mm-hmm. Uh, describe, I mean, describe to me the bond that you guys had this season because, I mean, this season you guys were just, you know, on a roll and y'all start, you know, winning and winning and winning a lot more. So describe, like, the team bond that you had and describe the mentality that you had throughout this season. Right. So kind of kind of like I said from last year, um, it kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. So we – we knew that, you know, we had unfinished business. And I, I love to talk about, you know, the original four. Because uh, he actually gave us that name. Uh, we all came, it was four of us that came in as freshmen together. And, you know, we're still here throughout this fifth year. So we just, we've had great leaders before us. So we, we kind of knew what it was supposed to look like. We just had to go out there and execute. You know, teams aren't, teams are always going to be, you know, the best of friends at all times. But we always made sure that we did what it take, what it took to get ourselves ready on the court. All right, and so we've kind of touched on a lot of things about Kennedy Taylor, the basketball player. What's something that Mm -hmm. the Bobcat fans might not know about Kennedy Taylor, the person? Wow. Um, As a person, well, I do love to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Don't we all? (laughs) You know, catch me in the classroom or at the gym. I'm definitely somewhere at home sleeping. I definitely love hanging out with my friends, you know, my teammates. Pretty much all my friends are my teammates. But definitely, <laughs> I love to hang out. Um, yeah, I, I love to eat as well. I do love to eat. So, you know, if any, if any one of you guys are cooks and want me to try a plate, then I would love to come pick up one. That's awesome, Kennedy. And um, I'd kind of want to know, you know, uh, like you said, the season didn't end exactly how you wanted it to. But, you know, a lot of students would argue that, you know, the women's basketball team was one of our best sports um, you know, this right. last season. So what, if you could pin down one part of the season, what part of the season was your favorite? Okay, wait, let me let me clarify. When I said it didn't end like we wanted to, I was talking about our past season. Yes. Which is the reason, you know, we decided to come back. But my favorite part of the season was definitely um, finding out that we were, we were champions. It happened after Arkansas State. Um, we actually won that game. It was a hard-fought game. Um, it was a lot of things that happened um, in the conference, people winning, people losing. And we were, you know, we were just playing the game because we knew we, we needed to win regardless. And after the game, you know, when our coaches said, hey, you guys are champions. And we all were like, what? Like, we couldn't believe it. And then when it actually hit us, you know, we all definitely celebrated and, you know, hugged, cried, did all that good stuff. So I think that that was definitely my favorite moment of the season. That's awesome. That's awesome. And unfortunately, Kennedy, we're running out of time here. Is there one last thing you'd like to say to everybody in San Marcos? Um, I just love Bobcat Nation. I appreciate everything that you guys have done for me. And if there's anything that, you know, anybody needs me to do or wants me to do, then I will be more than happy to. 
All right. Thank you so much, Kennedy. Thank you for joining us. You're a Bobcat legend, point God, as Thomas said. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Kennedy. Thank you so much. All right. And we'd like to thank Kennedy again for her time this morning. We're going to take a short break here, but don't go anywhere. When we come back, we will discuss the latest baseball and softball action at Texas State, as well as some off- NFL offseason news. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Bobcat Radio on KTSW 89.9. Welcome back to Bobcat Radio here on this Friday. A little bit of a rainy morning. Um, so, I mean, let's get right into it. We're going to jump into Texas State baseball first. 7-5 to win over AM Corpus Christi on Tuesday. I was on the call with Kyle for that game. 13-7 to win over HCU on Wednesday. And, I mean, guys, this team has been rolling. Jose Gonzalez, 3-for-5 with four RBIs in that game. The Bobcats are 12-6, and 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 they're going to face Coastal Carolina in their next series. What are, your, what are y'all's thoughts over the last two games for the Bobcats? Yeah, I mean, this was just an absolute, just simply put, domination shown by the Bobcats. You know, I was I had the honor of uh, working with you guys on that Corpus Christi game with the against the Islanders and seeing just Davis Powell and Jose Gonzalez hit those back-to-back home runs. That was absolutely amazing. And then for them to go out there against Houston Christian and take care of business, we talked about it on Wednesday, making sure that you weren't overlooking this team. For them to come out and win, put up 13 runs against this team, that was absolutely amazing. Yeah, it was a tight game at first. It was... They didn't get it control until the later innings, the seventh and eighth. But I mean, once again, the name that we've grown used to hearing, Chase Moore hit a home run. Cade Manning went back to back. This is a Bobcat team who's been a lot of fun to watch. And Chase Moore leads the team in home runs. And that was a huge midweek midweek win. And now they get ready to go over to Coastal Carolina, as David just mentioned. Yeah, Thomas, like you said, we had mentioned uh, in the earlier episode this week that this was a team that they shouldn't just overlook because they weren't having the greatest season, but Texas State just needed to go in there and handle business, and that's exactly what they did. Chase Moore not only hitting home runs, was able to get a couple RBIs in there and get on base just without the long ball as well. And Like I've been saying all season, that's just something that Texas State's needed to do. And being able to do that in this game is why they were able to score so many runs just because once you get those players on base, that gets those home. Once you get those home runs, it's instead of just single one run, two run home runs, you're getting those bases loaded like they have in the like in, in the previous early in the season. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, and I agree. I agree with you 100 percent, Lone, because, you know, I we when we did uh, the podcast and stuff this past week, I was saying that the Bobcats just need to focus on just getting the ball in play instead of really just focusing on the home run, because I know a lot of that was focused on last year because of a lot of the big powerhouses that they had last year. So balls were just flying out the yard last year. But I think this year, Coach Trout has a different mindset for this Bobcat team. And honestly, he's trying to at his he's trying his best to make sure that, you know, not to worry about the long ball just really focus on getting the ball in place so we can start manufacturing some runs and you know possibly just keep you know keep a momentum going yeah and I mean we look at that win over A&M Corpus Christi on Tuesday uh Corpus Christi actually had more hits two more hits than the Bobcats in that um in that win and you know it's really crazy to see as you mentioned Kobe that you know the home run ball not necessarily has to be what wins you the game but really in the a lot of these games it has been and you know, they have station-to-station baseball throughout the lineup as well, but they got guys that can hit the long ball, and, you know, it's really been working well for them this season. So, um, And then let me add, too, against that game against Houston Christian, 
there were 13 hits, total hits in that game. So that kind of reinforces what you guys were talking about, you know, just not the relying on the home run. Mm-hmm. 13 hits at 34 at-bats, I believe if my math is correct, that's 382 yeah. as a batting average for the entire team. So that's something that you really want to keep up if you're the Bobcats going in uh, the next game against Coastal Carolina. Yeah, and then looking ahead to that game and to, to the series against the Coastal Carolina, this is a team that, I mean, their their records are pretty similar. Texas State comes into the series fifteen and six, and Coastal Carolina's twelve and six. And this is the Coastal Carolina team that's put up a lot of runs in some of these games. I'm looking at it; they have games of twenty six runs and sixteen runs, and then twelve runs, another sixteen run that which was in their last series against James Madison. So, the the mound. There's a uh, one thing we talked about in the last episode was the. Texas State being able to dominate on the pitcher's mound, and that's definitely something they're going to need to do going ahead against Coastal Carolina. Yeah, great point, Orlando. I was getting ready to talk about the the pitching mound, and here it is. Levi Wells will be the Friday starter, so tonight's starter with a 1.14 ERA, one of the top uh, top 50 pitchers in the nation right now. The other starting pitchers will be Nathan Medrano on Saturday, Zeke Wood on Sunday. Levi Wells returned from an injury um, against North Dakota State two weeks ago, and then he moved to the Saturday spot against Southern Miss. So he's he's moving the way up the ladder real quickly. Yeah, and uh, I don't, you know, I don't think that it could be understated how impactful Levi Wells is to this team. You know, you were just talking about it, how that one point, what was it, 1.4 ERA? 1.14. 1.14 ERA. You know, in past episodes, we talked about the how difficult of a feat that is to accomplish. You're basically giving up one run per game, basically. That's mm-hmm. all you're giving up. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's definitely their pitching as well as their hitting that's, you know, gotten them to be to this point of the season. I, you know, I'd like to imagine that we're going to see a number next to their name here soon. As Joey mentioned, that series will start today on the road in uh, Coastal Carolina. So let's move on to Texas State softball, guys. 15-0 win versus UTSA, that rivalry. And, I mean, they didn't make it seem like a rivalry. It ended in the fifth (laughs) inning via a run rule, the largest margin of victory for the Bobcats since the 16-0 win against Georgia State on March 2020. I mean... 16 is or 15 to zero that's in five innings much less what do y'all think i mean i mean what more can you say that's a really big bounce back win especially after their tough series uh conference opener against troy i mean having two losses and then a tie i mean a tie i mean it's better than it's better than a loss but i mean i know it's i know they would want to win that and obviously the two losses on Saturday on Saturday was kind of took a toll on on the Bobcats. But I mean, that's a big win against a, you know, a highway rival in, in UTSA. And honestly, uh, you know, it was a one side affair. They had Bobcat. I mean, the Roadrunners had no answers for uh I mean, for the Bobcats, Sarah Fanifer, two home runs in the game so far, leading the team in home runs, actually, with five on the air. Also, Cameron Bass also hit one as well. So, I mean, and then Jessica Mullins still dominating, like always, picking up her 12th win. Has 88 strikeouts on the year, so she's close to 100 wow. strikeouts on her career. So, I mean, this is going to be, I mean, this season. So, I mean, I mean, probably in the next maybe couple games, she's probably going to maybe probably get that 100, probably. Definitely. She continues pitching the way she has, and, this was just um, one thing we kind of I wanted to happen was that the the softball team get revenge for the baseball team because I mean the 
the we never want to lose uh, the Texas State never wants to lose to UTSA. So to come out and dominate them like this was a, a great way to bounce back from that that season opener, like you said. And then just the way they did it, coming out, just starting the game off in the top of the first, two home runs to to start the game off being four, being up four zero. So like UTSA, like had nothing for Texas State, nothing for um, Jessica Mullins out there on the on the mound, and it was a great win for Texas State. Yeah, I think Kobe made a good point, especially you were on that five game skid. I consider ties losses, so I'd, I'm more <laughs> of a glasses half empty in cases That's, like that. Fair enough. But uh, but that's a huge win against UTSA, 15 runs. I mean, this team was struggling to score runs, and then you come out and you just completely dominate UTSA like that. As y'all mentioned, just five innings, and Jessica Mullins with that 88 strikeouts, she could have reached the century mark this weekend with that three-game series coming up against uh, South Alabama. And, Kobe, you and I will be on the call for that one tonight at yes, 6 p.m. Yes, sir. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so... Like uh, Kobe mentioned earlier, they're going to be playing South Alabama starting tonight, much like baseball, but that one will be at home. And we talked about their struggles with Troy. Uh, That was on the road. So this is going to be their first uh, home interconference opener, and it's going to be versus South Alabama starting tonight. We're going to flip over to the NFL side of things, you know, completely different. And I had here that we were going to talk about the – best fit for Zeke you know we were oh, talking boy. about it in our group chat last night I believe it was the Bengals the Eagles and the Jets you know so I mean if y'all oh, want to take boy. it away what's well, the best fit for Zeke as yeah. a Cowboys fan you know like I I always have to give my input but it, it's a it's a double-edged sword because we did lose Zeke but I kind of understood and but I'll say this as if he goes to the Eagles I mean he's dead to me I mean that's <laughs> that's completely over there's no way I I would almost throw. I said in the group chat, I'd throw up if I saw Ezekiel Elliott suit up in an Eagles jersey. That would just be terrible. I don't care if it would hurt the team like some Cowboys fans think it would. I don't care like what it like would do for him. Go to the Bengals. Go to the Jets or just retire, please. And I do it. And like and it's another double edged sword because while we did lose Zeke, we signed uh, Ronald Jones as a running back, and I have a personal connection. That's my cousin, so it's like. I mean, kind of amazing that Wait, he's seriously? on the team. Yeah, that's awesome. Like awesome. I couldn't be happier for him and just our family in general. So that's kind of cool. But I definitely don't want Zeke to be an Eagle. Yeah, I know that he put out the list of teams, or it was tweeted out by Adam Schefter the list of teams. But we know a lot of times that the media can be a little wrong sometimes. So I feel like the team that would be the best fit for him that was not on that list is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As we know, they lost Leonard Fournette in free agency. That's interesting. Or, okay. And they'll have a lot to do trying to work out the cap situation and all of that, but I believe that that'll be the best fit for him where he can get a lot of play time and yeah, all of, of course. that can impact the team. Yeah, I think the Bucks would be good, but I still think they need a more explosive back. I think they were talking this morning on FS1 about who – Who's the most is he still that explosive player? To me personally, I don't think so. I think Tony Pollard will still be a great fit. However, the only fear that I have is Tony Pollard coming off of that leg injury. How explosive will he be? But especially if the Cowboys were able to sign another back, I think the Cowboys will still be good. And it comes they say who Zeke wants to go for, but this isn't the transfer portal. The teams the teams have to want him. 
Yeah, that's real. And I mean, I think the Bengals actually would be a pretty good fit just in terms of what they need um, and who they lost. Like, he wouldn't be there to because they still have Joe Mixon. He would be kind of there to replace what Samaj Piran kind of brought to the team, just a, a power back, a guy who's just going to fight for those extra yards, a, a pass blocking back because we, everyone knows that the Bengals could use more pass blocking because that's just been their m- number one problem since having Joe Burrow on the team. So, I mean, I think the Bengals definitely would be a pretty good fit for Zeke. Orlando, you said pass blocking back. I know we all saw what happened <laughs> that last okay. play. Okay, I mean, he was a center. They just had him hiking the ball. I don't know what the – not. hey, Joey, that's your problem now. Kellen Moore is all yours, buddy. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's crazy the fact that, first of all, Zeke even got released, but I'm not surprised by that because of obviously what they thought of Tony Pollard this past year. But to me, I don't know if maybe the Bengals would be a best fit. I think I see the reason why, and obviously Samaj P. Ryan being one of the big backs in the league and stuff, and then Joe Mixon alongside with them. So that, to me, does make sense. But if you, I think if you go by which team is ready to win the Super Bowl, to me, I think the Eagles were. It's because they made it last year. But the Bengals is not bad of an option either. And if he goes to the Jets, I mean, oh, my God, that will literally be like, the icing on the cake for the Jets because they have had so many crazy free agency moves this past this past offseason. So far, if that happens and then all of a sudden Rodgers goes, I mean, oh uh, boy. No, yeah. the Jets will definitely be dangerous if they yeah. sign Aaron Rodgers because I don't – I mean, they're making all these moves in like with the insurance that they're that he's coming to the team. So, I mean, if he does – they're because they always they already came in with the rookies they had and plus all the free agent signings they're doing so and Jets could be scary if they get Aaron Rodgers yeah he has you know a lot of different options to go to and ironically when we're talking about him signing with the Jets I think a lot of teams what they fear is kind of a potential Le'Veon Bell situation you know where Le'Veon Bell <laughs> signed with the Jets and you know didn't give him really the best output and just you know getting a running back who you know is that that um how do I put this experience? You know, it's a big risk. So anyways, let's move on real quick while we have a little bit of time. Right now, you're the Panthers GM. You got the first round pick. You traded uh, DJ Moore. Who are you taking? Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, or somebody else? Bryce Young, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly? Yes, undoubtedly. You know, what he displayed at Alabama, even playing against, I'm a fan of the Texas Longhorns as well. So seeing yeah, what fair. seeing what he did against them, I mean, that was that was otherworldly to put it to put it. Well, in all fair in all fairness, he really didn't have that great of a game. Really, I know if you want, I mean, I'm just being honest because if you look at that game alone, Texas, the Longhorns' defense was all over him in the whole game. And I'm be, I mean, to be honest with you, if Quinn Edwards didn't get hurt, Longhorns would have won that easily. I'm not gonna lie to you, but I see what you're getting, especially when coming crunch time. And stuff like you know, like Alabama's always been in that situation where it comes crunch time, and they either got to win on a last minute field goal or possibly a game winning touchdown. So I see where your point, where I see where your point lies, but I mean, I don't. Uh, the Panthers have, are one of those franchises where they've had so many great, you know, QB. You know, I would specifically say one QB, and that was Cam Newton. So, but I mean, other than that, they've had a lot of free agency moves this past off season, and to me, I think. I would probably agree with you. I think Bryce Young probably would be the better fit. I originally was going to say CJ Stroud, but now that I'm looking back at his progression and his overall season and overall uh, career at Alabama, I think the Panthers probably would be the better fit. 
Kobe talked about Cam Newton. What about Anthony Richardson? He comes in at 231, 6'4", real athletic guy. Can he sling the ball, though? I, I don't know. What do y'all think? But see, Joey, the <laughs> thing about it is you already had a pretty good position to be able to, what was it, originally number nine? Yeah. Number nine, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Anthony Richardson probably yeah. would have failed to I number agree. nine. So yeah, the trade up like that. But I honestly don't know if they'll even go quarterback because it's like if they get C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young, who's, who is he going to give the ball to right now? They Good don't point. have any weapons really right now, so they might go like because they signed Andy Dalton. So it's like I mean I know the red right red rifle. He's been a backup the last couple of years, but he was a career. He's a starter for the most years in his career. So it's like maybe that's their plan, and who knows? Because I don't know drafting a first round, giving your first overall pick quarterback like that, nobody to like give the ball to is kind of dangerous. We've seen it time and time again, like with the Browns and with plenty of other teams. Yeah, I agree. So it's going to be interesting to see which way they go with it after trading for the first round pick or first overall pick. I'm sorry. Unfortunately, though, that's all the time we have here today. But before we go, we're going to toss it over to uh, Thomas with the weather update. Yeah. So, you know, I'm 100 percent trustworthy when it comes to this. It is. (laughs) Tell that to Justin. (laughs) I taught Justin. <laughs> it is currently 69 degrees in San Marcos, Texas, with a high of 87 and a low of 60, which we have already surpassed. The rain should be moving eastward out of our way as we will see sunny skies, sunny clear skies throughout the rest of the day going into the weekend. And it looks like it'll be, you know, a great weekend to get out and enjoy the outdoors and hang out with your friends, you know, throw the football around, play some basketball. All right. Well, thank you so much, Thomas. Alongside my co-host, Orlando Smart, Thomas Terry, Joey Gonzalez, and uh, Kobe Jackson uh, producing for us. Thank you for joining us on this Bobcat Radio on Friday.